Welcome back to the DC Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Parkinson. We're here at the Hyrick House in lovely DuPont Circle with producer Panama. My guest today is Julie Eisenberg. She's the owner of Lighthouse Yoga. Uh, you can find her website, lighthouseyogacenter.com, and they're also on Facebook. Uh, her spiritual name is Jeevan Shakti Kerr. Um, she is an ERYT500 uh, yoga teacher trainer um, and started practicing yoga in the 1990s as a way to decompress from a stressful job. Over the years, as her practice deepened and evolved, she began to understand yoga as a tool of personal transformation and empowerment. She's a Kundalini Level 2 teacher and professional teacher trainer with the Kundalini Research Institute with advanced certifications in therapeutics and other modalities. Julie opened Lighthouse Yoga Center in 2013 in her home community of Petworth, D.C. as a way to share the teachings of yoga with the residents of her diverse neighborhood. Outside the studio, she has taught yoga to D.C.'s homeless population and low-income Spanish-speaking immigrants in Washington, D.C., and is involved in many community and civic organizations. Her classes, retreats, and trainings are energetic, spiritual, and often powerfully transformational. She found Kundalini Yoga after years of developing a Hatha practice around 2006. It began to feel like something was missing from her practice, and as soon as she walked into a Kundalini class, she realized this is what she'd been looking for. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah. Um, so uh, we always sort of start at the beginning. Um, and uh, you mentioned before we went on the show that you've been practicing yoga for a while before you before you did Kundalini. What were you kind of doing before that? Well, I started, I came to yoga, I was living in Adams Morgan back in the 90s, kind of mid-90s, 90, maybe 97, 98. And there was a wonderful teacher around the corner for me. This is before there were really many yoga studios and there's like Unity Woods was out there. There was a couple others. And there's this woman, um, Yogi, uh, to Bobby Ponce Barger. Mm -hmm. And she has been teaching for um, many years out of her apartment. And, and you know, she's a neighbor and we were friendly. And she finally got me to come to classes. And um, at first I was sort of like, this is weird. I was a terrible student. I mean, if I would have been my student, I would have like thrown me out of class. I was awful. I was like chatting with people in class or she'd say, now do this. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> it was just awful. I don't know how, you know, but she, she reached to me. She, mm -hmm. she um, was able to spark some serious interest. So after a couple of years of practicing, she taught in a younger influenced Hatha style. Mm -hmm. um, I started getting a little more serious about it after, you know, maybe two or three years of consistent practice with Bobby. And um, I started taking classes in other places. I'd go to other studios and I traveled a lot for my job at the time. And I would pop into classes and, in, you know, different cities. And mm -hmm. I started finding um, that yoga was a really good way to disconnect me from my insane job. And so I, um, you know, I just started getting more, you know, and then I started doing teacher training modules. And that was before like Yoga Alliance was like, you have to do, you know, this like, this is the course you have to do to be a teacher. So you were kind of able to kind of self-train or work with senior teachers and they teach you stuff. So I, you know, I started getting pretty serious. And, Where were you doing that? Were you? Um, just different studios, both around DC. And I worked a lot. Um, my job took me a lot to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So I had a teacher down there who was wonderful. And, you know, and so I did a lot of work with her. So, um, and that went on until um, I started to, as you know, you mentioned in the intro, I started to notice 
something was missing. I was getting a little bored and I never came to yoga as a physical practice. And, you know, I've always been sort of an exercise junkie, right? I mm -hmm. run, I bike, I, you know, um, and yoga for me was never about the physical. So I started seeing in DC, the yoga studios, the yoga community kept getting more and more like, let's do power yoga, let, you know? And I was like, this is not working for me. And I think it was 2006, I moved up to Petworth. And there was at the time a little studio um, just south of New Hampshire. So it's technically not Petworth, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, but it's close. And I started going there and it was a Kundalini studio. So the owner was like, have you ever done a Kundalini class? And I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't think like, so. What a lini? Yeah. I, and <laughs> she's like, well, why don't you try it? And I was like in the vinyasa flow class. And I was like, yeah, okay. This is kind of nice. She goes, why don't you come back tomorrow and try a Kundalini class? And I was like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. I'm kind of just coasting at this point. I mean, I'd been, by this time, I'd been in it for, you know, almost 10 years. And so um, I went back the next day and I took a Kundalini class and it freaking blew me away. It was like, I sat there and I, she told me subsequently, I glared at her during the entire class. I was like, this is so freaking hard. Yeah. And I had never experienced anything like it. And I just, I was like, whoa, this is what I was looking for. This is what I was missing in my yoga practice. So I went back the next day and did it again. Mm -hmm. And I became hooked immediately on Kundalini. So I continued to teach Hatha and I continued to, you know, well, I stopped um, teaching Hatha then because I got into Kundalini, but I, you know, I continued to practice it a lot and just made the majority of my practice at that point became Kundalini. Were you, were you teaching at that point or were you still a student? Um, I was, I did my Kundalini teacher training maybe a year or so after I started practicing. Yeah, no, I mean like, did you do like a, did you, were you certified as a 200 hour before you even? No, I never, okay. because yeah. back then you didn't really have to, right? And, and you, you weren't teaching at like any like gyms or studios Not at then. the time, yeah. no. Um, I was teaching informally or, you know, it would be just like, I don't even remember. It feels like so long ago to be honest. <laughs> because once I, once I stepped into the Kundalini world, everything yeah. else sort of faded into the background. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but I, you know, it was, it was so different. What was the, what was sort of like the thing about the first class? Was it sort of like the, was it the energy you got? Was it like the breathing? Was it the mantra? Like which, which sort of, or was it just like inexplicable and you were like, the whole thing is awesome. Um, I don't know if I would use the word awesome. Um, mm. you know, in its literal sense, like awe inspiring. Yeah, it like. was kind of awe inspiring. Well, I, what, one of the things that I had realized, you know, when I started noticing that my Hatha practice was missing something, I didn't, I couldn't articulate what it was missing. I was just like, it feels really superficial. It feels really shallow. And I realized sort of in the back of my mind, what it was missing was a spiritual aspect, you know, spirituality. And I, I think what happened was I got into the Kundalini class and I, the spirit, it opened the door to spirituality for me that I had not been able to access before. I mean, honestly, my only real recollections from that first class and your first Kundalini class, people usually, it like embeds in your, you yeah. know, in your mind, right? You know, you've been there, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. And um, I remember her asking me to hold my arms up for what felt like eternity. Now, <laughs> it was probably like two or three minutes, but back then I was like, I, I can't do this, right? Yeah. And I, you 
you know, and I was in really And you're an athlete, so you're sort of like, yeah. And like, whoa, this is really humbling. Yeah. So um, I, you know, I I think it was kind of some of that, like it, it literally opened a door in me that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Were they were when the classes you took that um, the Hatha yoga classes you were taking back then, or the Vinyasa classes you were taking? Were they just were they strictly just asana, or was there any kind of like was there any kind of like uh, mantra or pranayama taught during the class, or you know what they would call Dharma talks? Or um, you know, I was mainly in sort of an Iyengar or an Iyengar influence track. So there's it's really not, alignment based it, type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very alignment based. I, you know, after Bobby, I, I, you know, I'd say one of the studios I spent most of my time at was boundless with yeah. Kim Weeks. And yeah. I loved, you know, I loved her classes. There's I, a I, lot of people who like look back on that or like, why don't I have that anymore? Yeah. 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 No, that was, that was really wonderful. And, um, you know, I, oh, I found some great teachers at um, at the gym at Results. I used to go to Results, and mm-hmm. um, I had some really great teachers there. Um, but yeah, it was mainly I was into the alignment. I was kind of an alignment geek, mm-hmm. so I didn't, I you know, and and I don't recall there being a lot of spirituality in yoga in the you know early two thousands, let's mm-hmm. say it, you know, it wasn't, at least it wasn't something I was bumping into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gopi was just in here and she was saying how, um, how lucky we are in DC that, uh, so many really awesome yoga instructors teach at gyms. And it's like sort of what sets DC yeah. apart is that we like all the, all the really, all the professional yoga teachers who just yoga, do yogas for a living, they teach at gyms like as a part of what they do, yeah. you know? So we don't have like personal trainers teaching yoga. We don't have, you know, that kind of thing. At most of the gyms. I mean, there are some, you know, I, I did, I taught at a gym for six years. I taught both Hatha and Kundalini there and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I really, I, you know, it gave me really, it gave me a lot of really good practice. Mm-hmm. I think because you can't predict who's going to come in and it's a challenging environment to really develop relationships with students. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned a lot teaching at, um, at a gym and I did, you know, that's when I was a full-time yoga teacher and, you know, I was running around town, pedaling on my bike around town mm-hmm. and hitting, you know, like 15 classes a week all over the, all over the metropolitan area. Yeah. How many, was that the most you ever taught in one week was 15 or did you I've ever, taught did you ever more. do it? You did. <laughs> yeah, so were, you were, you were like that insane, maybe Rieger level where you were like 30 classes a week. I never and... did 30, but I would, <laughs> you know, I, I was, uh, there were some weeks when I would pick up like a lot of subclasses and, oh. you know, then have some privates and this, and, yeah, it, there was a couple, yeah. I tried to not do that because I found that when I was teaching that number of classes a week, my, um, you know, I think the quality of my classes started to go down. You just, you can't sustain it. It's hard to hold space for that long yeah. with that intensity. It's just, it's really difficult. And I found when I taught that many classes, like instead of creating a space where people um, could uh, let go, I ended up uh, after 15 classes, I was in a space where I just started taking energy from them and like not their good energy. Like I was just heaping all the bad energy on myself. And it was sort of like, this is impossible. Yeah. Um, What did, uh, so you did your first Kundalini training or you did your Kundalini training uh, about, did you say a year after you started teaching it? I would say, so after I started getting into it, um, the, uh, um, the studio where I was practicing invited one of the senior teachers, one of the international level 
teachers who had studied and worked for many years with Yogi Bhajan, um, the founder of Kundalini Yoga is taught by Yogi Bhajan, which is what we primarily practice in the U.S. Um, and she came to D.C. This is Krishna Kar. And I took her class. She did a series of workshops. And it just like my like it blew my mind. She's so good. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time anybody had, to, for me, articulated the connection between yoga and social justice in a way that there was an actual link, as opposed to, let's open our hearts and send love and peace to everybody. I mean, yeah, that's great, but that's not going to get the job done. And Krishna got out there and she talked about how we use yoga as a tool of transformation. And I was like, oh my God, this is like my life. And so um, at, at that moment, I was like, this is what I'm doing. So mm -hmm. it took me about a year of regular practice. And I say regular, I was probably coming to class two to three times a week, um, which is what you would recommend to somebody who really wants to get into Kundalini yoga. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it was then I, I signed up for the next teacher training after that. I was just like, okay, this is what I have to do. This is what I've been mm -hmm. called upon to do. And where did you do that? At that studio. At that studio. It, yeah, yoga What was house. the name of the studio? Yoga House. Yoga House. And she closed, um, whoa, she closed before I opened the Lighthouse. So she must have closed in like 2011. And she subsequently passed away, um, sadly. Mm -hmm. um, what was the training like? Tell us about the training. <laughs> Um, the Kundalini teacher training is, um, it, it's probably one of the most transformational things you can do. We run teacher trainings at Lighthouse, mm -hmm. and it's my favorite thing that we offer. You come together in a group, and similar to many tr teacher trainings where you have one weekend a month where you're together in your community, um, but our hours are long. We meet on Friday nights. This is a similar model as what, you know, my training was Friday nights. We meet from six to 10 PM. Saturdays we're there from like 9 AM to 6 30 PM. Sundays we start at 5 AM. Then we break at seven 30 for a couple hours. And we I'm come sorry, back at did 10. you say 5 AM? 5 AM. <laughs> yes. Part of Kundalini yoga is sadhana. And oh. so sadhana is, it's a fundamental aspect of the practice. Now, when I went into the teacher training, I was resisting sadhana. I was like, you've got to be kidding. I'm not, you know, I had a day job at the time, yeah. you know, and I was like, I'm not getting to the studio at 5 a.m. The reality is you're supposed to start your sadhana two hours before the sun comes up. So um, you really should be starting, you know, 3.34 a.m. Yeah. And, you know, we I tell everybody, hey, we've got it really easy in D.C. We don't start till 5 <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so tell us, tell us a little bit more. What is sadhana? So, is sadhana. Well, sadhana is your daily spiritual practice, okay. right? In term, in just generic terms, that's what a sadhana is. Mm -hmm. um, in Kundalini Yoga, we do what's called the Aquarian Sadhana, where you come together, and the first twenty minutes of it is recitation of a text called Japji, which you can either read along, you can sit and meditate. Um, you can, you know, read the translation, um, but it creates these vibrations. And then after Japji, we do a Kundalini Kriya, a set, just sequences of exercises that are done in a specific order for a specific amount of time for a specific purpose. So every Kriya is, is going to be a completely different experience. So we have a Kriya that goes maybe 45 minutes, mm -hmm. so somewhat shorter than your normal class. 
Then after that, we do 62 minutes of chanting. And it's seven mantras that are chanted, you know, the same mantras every time. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful, wonderful practice. And we do it at at Lighthouse. Um, We try to do it at least once a month, sometimes a little more. And it's always open to the community. Anybody who wants to come. And I've never heard anybody say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have gone to Sadna. I mean, you know, because you come yeah. out, a lot of times you come out, and you want to take a nap, but you just, you feel energized for the whole day. You feel uplifted. So it's a, it's a really great practice as a, you know, new teacher or somebody in teacher training. It's a little bit of a shock. It's like, you expect me to be here, you know, every yeah. teacher training weekend at 5 a.m. What are you talking about? But once you get over those mental blocks, that starts to change your life. And so there's something about, I mean, I, any, any teacher training is going to change your life. And we used to run half the trainings at Lighthouse. And so I, you know, I, I've worked on those and I've experienced that, um, with our folks. And I see the transformation that happens in the Kundalini trainings is deeper. It's, it's very profound. Mm -hmm. People often come out very different people than when they started. And I'm not saying like that they, you know, just change their like their their no, jobs. I, I I think like the way I like to describe it is that you don't come out a different person. You come out the person that you really are. Like it's you know you're giving up that person that you think you ought to be and that people expect you to be, and you're starting to become your you. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that's very true. You know, you're forced to shed so many layers, and so much trauma comes up in Kundalini Yoga that you're forced to deal with that. You're forced to confront it and mm-hmm. work through it, which, um, you know, is not always pleasant. It's scary. It's very scary. Right, that's scary stuff. Um, you know, that some of that stuff is, some of that shit's buried real deep and you don't even know it's down there because you put up so many walls against it. Um, and when that stuff comes up, like, it can be, it can be terrifying, yeah. Yeah. Um, how uh, how long is the training? Is it the, uh, our, the trainings generally run nine months, nine one months. weekend a month for yeah. nine months? Yeah, so That's it's cool. yeah, it's it's completely reasonable in terms of the time commitment you just yeah. have to block out the weekend that you're gonna you know and that's why i tell everybody who does like my teacher training i'm like they're like oh i didn't that's two weekends a month for five months and i'm like yeah like this is not you know what i mean like you're not you're not getting a driver's license here <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> you know it's a little bit deeper than that yeah um what uh what kind of uh what kind of text do you use for that or is there like in other words wh- or i guess maybe this bigger question in general like where do the mantras come from um and yeah so kundalini yoga um derives from a sikh tradition not hindu mm-hmm. And um, it was, as I'd mentioned earlier, it was brought to the U.S. by a yoga teacher, Yogi Bhajan. Mm -hmm. And he arrived in the late 1960s and saw, you know, he came from India. He was like a customs official there. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a big sage, but he was somebody who um, had been trained as a yoga teacher. And it used to be that you wouldn't teach kundalini yoga to anybody who wasn't already, um, uh, you know, proficient in Hatha yoga. And then Kundalini would be introduced as a, as a more advanced modality. And Yogi Bhajan gets to the U.S. and he sees all the, you know, the kids in this late 60s, they're all strung out, they're, you know, yeah. and he's like... this With chaos. Is, right. And he's like, they're <laughs> searching for something. So 
and it looks like they're, you know, they want to get high. I'm going to get them high and we're going to give them yoga. So he started teaching in Los Angeles and he started developing a following. Now, he always said, I, I came here to create teachers, not create disciples. And um, so Kundalini is a form of yoga that although it was in the U.S., I mean, it was brought here by Yogi Bhajan, he, we don't have a guru. There isn't a, you know, we don't like worship a specific you know, guru or anything like that because it's self-initiated. Mm-hmm. You've got to take responsibility for yourself. But Yogi Bhajan started teaching. Then he started sending people out to teach and it started growing. And it got a little culty back then. Um, and then it kind of... Uh, thinks- well, because, yeah, because this is one of the things that is interesting. When you do pranayama like that, like it does produce a sort of euphoria, right? I mean, that's... You know, and that that lends itself to, uh, you know, okay, like a slavish, you know, desire to have that euphoria over and over yeah. again, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's no reason you can't really, right? I mean, you can live a healthy and happy and holy life by doing this yoga every day. Right. There's nothing wrong with being happy all the time. Yeah, you know? for sure. <laughs> so, you know, and that's one of the reasons that we, we tell people, you know, come in multiple times a week, keep your practice going. But, um, yeah, so the practice started, it's in recent years, it has started really picking up again in popularity. I would say in the last maybe five or six years, I've seen it yeah. start to really pop up. The mantras, everything, um, are primarily from Sikh texts. The language is Gurmukhi. It's not Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. There are a few mantras that are chanted in Sanskrit. For the most part, they're Gurmukhi. And um, the history of the practice goes back through Sikh history, which was founded in the 1490s by Guru Nanak. It was a breakaway from Hinduism when Guru Nanak um, opposed the caste system and he opposed the way women were treated in Hinduism. He broke away and his followers followed him. And after that, there was nine other Sikh gurus. And then that ended. And there's no current gurus. And the text, the actual writings of um, Sikh liturgy are what are considered now the guru. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where it came from. And, and did Yogi did Yogi Bhajan like learn it from, was was he a Sikh, I guess? Yes, like, yes, he okay. was. He was absolutely a Sikh. And... Um, Many of the senior teachers, now many of the teachers who joined him in the you know early days did become Sikh. Not that he asked them to, but mm-hmm. they opted to. So you'll find many of the senior teachers in particular are Sikh. Um, you know, more, less of the folks who are coming in now, but um, there is that aspect of it in the practice. And is there, like, I'm just going to keep, like, I love this stuff. Like, this is exactly why I have this show. Um, is is this something that, like, uh, Sikhs in, like, around the world do? Like, you know, or is it, it kind of limited to, in scope, to a certain population? Well, there's a little bit of conflict in the Sikh world um, in terms of whether you should or shouldn't be practicing yoga. And some Sikhs say no, that this is something that should not ever be practiced. Or that, you know, reciting the mantras is actually against Sikh religion to use mantras um, in yoga classes like this. And many others say, well, wait a minute, you know, this is this is something that, you know, we were given by Guru Nanak and we should be practicing it. 
So there's definitely um, divisions in the Sikh world. I'm, you know, I, I'm not Sikh. I, I kind of watch what's going on out of curiosity, but mm -hmm. don't, you know, don't engage in the, you know, in the discussions yeah. on it. Yeah. You know, I'm a yoga teacher. So, um, and then for example, like when you do, like when you learn mantra, when you do mantra, um, you know, there's a specific purpose for, for each one. Is that correct? Yeah. Each, yeah. the mantras have a lot of, um, there's different aspects to it. They have meanings. The meanings are less important though than the vibratory frequency. And in Gurmukhi, Gurmukhi is considered a holy language. And the way the words are actually formed create a vibratory frequency in your mouth, which then starts to um, vibrate your meridians and vibrate your nervous system. So inside your body, you're creating a very specific frequency. So it's the same way you see when people are, you know, when people talk negatively in general, you know, you, you see that yeah. black cloud over their head, right? Yeah. When you're chanting mantra, um, you're, it's as if you're elevating yourself through the yeah. vibrations. So the specific, you know, there's some mantras that are, you know, like to, um, you know, remove blocks or to remove fear or to create prosperity or to connect with the divine or, you know, they all have different purposes, but a lot of those purposes also overlap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, you can definitely tell, I mean, even in like popular music, right? You can tell the intention behind what somebody's saying, right? And so it's, it's kind of the same way, right? Like if you you make a specific vibration, it, it has to come from certain from a certain intention. You can't make a a good vibration with your voice if you have like a hateful mind, right? That's right. And and no, it's funny. I'm a I'm a you know, I'm a rock and roll fan and yeah. I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Yeah. And I actually have this whole argument going that Bruce Springsteen, when you see him live, he's actually creating mantra in his concerts. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been to his concerts. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Like oh my God. Three and a half hours of rock I've, and roll. Right. Yeah. And you know, and you leave there with that same feeling as you yeah. leave a Kundalini class. Really? You're just like, Oh my God, that was mind blowing. Yeah. He's so good. God bless Bruce Springsteen. I hope he lives forever. Um, so, uh, okay. So let's go to then the next aspect of it, um, uh, which is the pranayama aspect of it, um, um, which a lot of people are just sort of mainly, you know, in, in, in Western sort of yoga, we think of pranayama as just like breathing techniques. Um, and uh, you do a lot of, a lot of breathing techniques in, in Kundalini yoga. Um, tell us about some of the different kinds of kind of techniques and what their purpose is. Well, breath is a fundamental part of Kundalini and, and I'll step back a minute yeah, and ahead. just, let me describe a class for people who may have never had the opportunity to, to take a Kundalini mm -hmm. class. You start, you tune in with a mantra. You always tune in with the same mantra, Om Namo Guru Dev Namo, and that mantra connects you to your inner teacher um, the golden chain of kundalini teachers and practitioners throughout time and space. So it's creating this link all the way back to Guru Nanak. Um, so then after that, you can do some warm-ups. Um, and then you do a kriya, which, as I mentioned, is a sequence of exercises that are done in specific order. The teacher doesn't make up the, the exercises. We follow the kriyas as they've been given. And, and the way they were given is Yogi Bhajan would teach them and his students started recording them and transcribing them. So that's, that's like following a recipe. Mm -hmm. We teach the Kriyas exactly as they were taught because they have these specific purposes. And once you start 
um, varying. Once you start moving away from that, you start changing the end result because every exercise in a Kriya is experienced differently according to what you did before that exercise and what you're going to do after that exercise. Mm -hmm. So the way you're moving your energy is very specific. Um, after the Kriya, there's usually Shavasana and then a meditation or sometimes there's a meditation and then Shavasana. So, um, and all of, it's all, there's pranayama going the whole time. And there's mantra going the whole time because you're mentally vibrating mantra as you're moving. I, when I teach, I usually start my first warm up with pranayama because what I find is that it brings people into this space. It's a way to just get everybody settled. And um, the fundamental breathing um, form in Kundalini is breath of fire, yeah. which is unique because you find when I get um, like experienced Hatha yogis, they, they always are doing like, you know, Bastrika breath. And yeah. it's like, no, that's not it. You know, it's an equal emphasis on the inhale and the exhale. And um, so it takes a little while to master that. Um, and But then there's many, many other times, you know, there's long, deep breathing, there's alternate nostril breathing, there's breath suspension, there's, you know, when you're in on the inhale, breath suspension, on the exhale, there's segmented breath where you, you know, like will break a breath into like 10 parts on the inhale, 10 parts mm -hmm. on the exhale, there's just, um, you know, infinite combinations. And one of the and breath, the pranayama has a variety of effects. Um, one of the big ones is that it works on our nervous system. Yeah. So we use the pranayama in kundalini yoga to take us out of the sympathetic nervous system and begin to move us into the parasympathetic nervous system. So we are beginning to consciously move ourselves into that place of rest and relaxation. It also activates the vagus nerve, which is that, you know, that mm -hmm. the wellness nerve, the happiness nerve, the, you know, the cranial nerve that runs through the entire body, well, runs, runs through the abdominal cavity and starts to massage the heart and massage the internal organs, which changes our, our connections with yeah. ourselves and with others. So the pranayama, you know, serves many purposes and it also helps to keep the mind focused. So almost, you're going to almost always have a you know, breathing either on its own, let's do, you know, three minutes of this type of pranayama, or you're going to have during the Kriya breath instructions that go with the exercises to enhance the effect of the exercise or to create a different effect. Yeah. Um, so maybe, yeah, it was just, so I, I'm, I just really, I really want to talk about the class I had this morning too. Um, and I guess the first thing I'll say is like when we were doing the breathing exercises with the Kriya at the same time, like, I mean, it, it is so hard just to do the breathing properly without even doing the movements. Like, because, you know, I was trying to do it. Like I was trying to do the, 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 the breath of fire. And like, I was thinking to myself because it's very different than the way I usually breathe in yoga. Um, and, uh, I really had to focus on my, my abdominal cavity. I really had to focus on my, my, um, my, uh, my core muscles. Like I really had to, to get that going. And it, you know, I can imagine how, and, and because I am a personal trainer and I do Pilates and I do all these other things, like I was able to sort of find a rhythm after a while, but um, I can imagine if you don't have any body awareness whatsoever, that that could be just fucking impossible. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I get students with like limited Like body first awareness. time doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really interesting. When I used to teach at um, Washington Sports Club, I was in a room with a mirror at one of the studios I taught at. Well, most of them did, but there was one that I taught an evening Kundalini class and 
there's this big mirror along the wall and it would be really interesting because I would have students who would, and I turned them away so they weren't looking at the wall. Yeah, we love mirrors at at fitness studios in DC, by the way. Right, (laughs) yeah, I know. And I was like, this is, you know, you're not supposed to be looking in the mirror. Your eyes are closed. And I would see some of, you know, some of the folks, particularly those with minimal body awareness, like looking at themselves in the mirror, watching them, you know, watching themselves, Mm -hmm. trying to get this. And I, you know, I was always kind of fascinated by that concept of like, you know, really not even being able to see what your body is doing without looking in the mirror. Mm -hmm. As if, um, as if it would help you to actually see <laughs> externally what's going on, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, but, but it, you know, whatever works, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it is. Kundalini yoga is hard. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I I think it you it's hard to understand the level of challenge without having actually done it. And there are some classes that you can go to and you're sort of getting kundalini light. A lot of times if you have a studio that's not a kundalini studio, but they pop a kundalini class on the schedule, it's very often what we kind of call kundalini light. The Mm -hmm. teacher sort of, you know, backs away from some of the really hardcore stuff or they kind of ease up on some of the spirituality of it. And you're, you're getting a different experience that way. Um, yeah, one of the things I loved about the class this morning was I, mean, I do this anyway in my own practice. Like whenever I go to a class, I'm not, I don't really, I'm not looking around. I don't give a shit what everybody else is doing in the class. Um, and I found that uh, in this class, like the times that I did like peak, um, just because I needed to open my eyes, like everybody was just doing their own shit. Like it was sort of so cool, you know, because you see a lot of in outside classes, you see people looking around going like, oh, like that person's doing it that way. Or, you know, there's a million things going through your head. And the focus that I saw today on, or I felt, I mean, I didn't really see it. I felt it around me. The focus that everybody was had on their own breathing and their own work was just phenomenal. I mean, that that really created an energy that was very different than, than you get in a yoga class, like an asana class, you know, a hatha yoga class. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's very different. And um, we have, and so all of our Kundalini classes are mixed level. In the class today, that you attended, I think we had five teachers in there and we had two people who were brand new to the practice. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else was sort of on a spectrum in the middle. And that's part of what creates this energy is you've always got people who are, you know, um, who are all in. And then you've got people who are kind of struggling a little bit to keep up and figure out what's going on. And, you know, and it, it all kind of works because it, you create a group energy, you create a group consciousness that then starts to carry everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really cool phenomenon when, it, you know. And yeah, it was beautiful. It was great. Um, the, um, and, and when, and this, I guess the other thing that people have to understand before you go to a community class is like, like when you say exercise, like, and you t- say yoga at the same time, you think like, all right, well, I'm going to do warrior two. I'm gonna do warrior. No, this is exercise people okay <laughs> well it was like, today like this is exercise well at least it was today anyway it was yeah. like you know we were doing leg lifts we were doing like i mean i swear to christ we were doing the hundreds of the beginning of class like that was i was like okay i mean oh, i'm like i'm into this like stretch pose thing. Yeah, yeah 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 no it is um it's it's so i i'm fascinated by the fact that Kundalini yoga, which is, you know, hundreds of years old. Some people will argue it was actually one of the first forms of yoga ever because what you are doing are random movements. And there are people um, who I know who have traced it back and say Jesus practiced Kundalini yoga, that it goes back that far, that it actually originated in the Middle East, not India. 
Um, and that's very possible because you sure. are doing, you're jumping around, you're doing stuff that kids do, rolling around on the floor, you know. Um, so you will have some very physical kriyas, which look in some ways like what now are hit classes, right? Yeah. You do this intensive one minute, three minutes, you know, seven minutes sometimes. I mean, it's not really hit. Seven minutes is pretty extreme. But you'll, Yeah, that's not really hit. I mean, <laughs> that's not I mean the, it's, the, it's a hit concept for yeah, 30 you, seconds, but you do it for seven minutes. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but And then you take a break and then you do it again and then you take a break. Um, but it was so, in, in that sense, I find Kundalini Yoga so far ahead of its time in that this is how we get strong. We do these things that are kind of miserable mm-hmm. and then we rest and then we come back and do something else miserable and then we rest. And um, it's a really fast way to get really strong. Now, the Kriya we did today was a pretty strong Kriya. Yeah. Um, there are some that are much more gentle. There are like when I teach evening classes, for example, I have to teach a class on Monday nights, which I, you know, it's more meditative. You're not going to do 52 frogs or, you know, three minutes of leg lifts and stuff like that. Those I mean, frogs were like, I was like, come on, lady. Like this is <laughs> <laughs> like, was, I, I was like, man, like my, 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 my calf muscles, my thighs. I was like, Ugh. oh man, it was only 52. Sometimes I know only 52. I got, I got to like 12 and I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh my God. It was so, it was so cool. It was so cool. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really interesting practice and you know, but you know, you can, you can go into a Kundalini class and literally just be sitting there and do, you know, an hour of sort of gentle movements and breathing and mantra and I personally, I find those classes a little harder because I'm not a good sitter. Yeah, you you, you can't get bored in the class we did today, right? No. Yeah. Uh, but I tend to teach a strong class because that's what I respond to, right? And teachers, I think teachers teach what best, what most resonates with them. And we have some teachers at Lighthouse who do like, uh, well, not too many, but, you know, who'd like a somewhat softer gentler practice Mm -hmm. and that's possible you can take the same kriya cut the times in half and double the rest times and you're going to find something that you know isn't going to you're still going to get an effect but it's not going to be as physically challenging Mm -hmm. but saturday mornings you got to move your body of course of course yeah um i thought it was great um from a uh, sort of physiological standpoint how today's class was structured because we did a lot of the um, laying on your back stuff. And we did sort of uh, what I would call like sidekicks. We did them on our back. That's a sidekick series from Pilates where you're, you're bringing your foot up and drawing it down, bringing your foot mm-hmm. up, drawing down. Um, and after, you know, like 33 minutes, my, my hip flexors were like, okay, like we got to stop. And then, but then the beautiful thing was we like rolled around then. And then we did basically like low cobras, which yeah. stretches out those muscles. Right. And so like there was kind of this, there was kind of this intelligence to it where, you know, we used hip flexors and we stretched hip flexors and it was, you know, I I really enjoyed that part of it because I've been to classes, you know, especially hit classes where shoulders, thighs, shoulders, thighs, shoulders, thighs. And it's like, I can't anymore. Right. And (laughs) that's when we talk about like, why don't Kundalini teachers make up their own Kriyas? It's because of that sequencing. It's exactly that. Because most of us, even, you know, I've, I've been trained on sequencing. I've been trained on anatomy, both physical and energetic. But I'm not going to touch this stuff because it operates at so many different levels. Uh, you know, it operates at the muscular level. It operates, you know, kundalini yoga works on the nervous system. It works on the endocrine system. 
but it also works on the energetic body, your, you know, your chakras, your meridians, your 10 bodies, which is an energetic aspect of Kundalini yoga. And once you start putting it all together, if you start tweaking it, you know, you're going to be changing the outcome of the, of the Kriya. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain, um, uh, so it's sort of like maybe the difference between like a, like a truly when we talk about classical like symphonies, right. Where there's a structure to it is point counterpoint. And then you lead you through the different things and where you get into like romanticism and you sort of break down the structure of the classic symphony. And it sort of like becomes, you know, whatever, whatever the, that one person wants and you sort of lose the whole point of it, which is point counterpoint, point counterpoint. Right. right, um, right. and, uh, so if, if things are working for people who've done it thousands, thousands of times, like we don't need to change it. Right. right exactly. <laughs> that, no, that's exactly it. Yeah. And you know, and this works, this works fast. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, uh, in terms of the, um, uh, damn it, I lost it, but I'll get it back. Um, in terms of the class today, um, is that, uh, that was, you said that was more of a, a, a more like advanced class or that was a, like a medium? And it's, you know, I don't like to call different Kriyas advanced or, you know, beginners because everybody jumps into Kundalini wherever it is. It's, you know, you're just sort of like you dive in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't consider today's Kriya particularly difficult in terms of accessibility. Most of the exercises are things that can be done by pretty much anybody. You know, with frogs, um, which are, you know, a, a type of squat for people who don't know it. Um, you know, you do often have to offer modifications for people if there's knee issues or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, there wasn't really anything in today's Kriya that I thought was... In, you know, insanely challenging. Sometimes there are, and sometimes mm-hmm. you're just sort of like, really? Or, you know, the Korea gives them something like, you know, um, two minutes of, you know, like some, you know, holding, like sitting on your left heel and having your right leg up at a 60 degree angle, you know, and you're like, like nobody can do that. Yeah. Like you I'm know. not a sadhu. I'm not. Y- yeah. And so then you, you know, the teacher will kind of cut the time down a little bit or, you know, offer modifications and, um, but it's all mixed level because you do what you can do. You take a break and then you jump back in. Yeah. I think, I think I loved, uh, I think I, one of the other things I loved about the class was, um, sort of the deep core work that we did. Um, and not in a sense of like, like we didn't do any sit-ups, right. But we did like deep core work, right. The subtle sort of subtle body core work that we do. Yeah. Um, which I thought was, was really fantastic. And that as somebody who's, you know, works in physical fitness, like it's, it's so hard to get people to understand that or to do it. Right. Like we all want to teach more of it, that true core stabilization. That's not, you know, sit-ups and, you know, doing all that. Like I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I also enjoyed it because you kind of tied that into the chakra we were working with today. Right. And mm-hmm. that was, that was sort of awesome. Yeah. Um, when you, um, do you have your own practice at home? Oh, absolutely. Um, Kundalini doesn't work if you don't have your own practice. Uh, so, so then, how do you do that? Like, how do you like? Are you figuring out like what to teach yourself, or like, are you? Like- well, the way it works is um, we recommend that you choose a kriya or a meditation, and you do that same one every day for a minimum of forty days. So you pick, it could be something, you know, I tell the students at Lighthouse, pick something that we did in class if it really resonated with you and do it every day. 
and wake up in the morning, tune in, Ong Namo Guru Dev Namo, do your practice and you know, and if you, you know, you might want to journal it, see how it affects your day, see how you feel. You know, if you want to do something in the morning and then something before going to bed, even better. Um, but try to stick with every day for 40 days. If you get to day 39 and you forget, the next day is day one. <laughs> of course. Yes, of course. So, right. So I then you it. can do, you can take it on to 120 days. So, you know, for me, um, I kind of go back and forth for my personal practice right now. Well, I would say for the last probably five or six years, I've done probably even longer than that, a minimum of 31 minute meditation every morning. Um, although sometimes I'll do, sometimes I'll do a Kriya as well that I'll just, you know, I've got a kind of a toolkit of Kriyas that I'll sort of whip out. Sometimes I'll do, if I'm feeling, if there's a time when I'm feeling I need something more physical, I'll do 40 days of a Kriya mm-hmm. um, just to get me back into my body. Often, per, you know, particularly in winter, I find that to be really helpful. And, um, you know, and I, I'll vary it. I'll do 40 days of this. I did a thousand days of um, a meditation, uh, you know, every day, 31 minutes for a thousand days. And that was a really cool experience to do the same thing every day for a thousand days. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, because that's, I mean, from what little I know about, you know, mantras and, um, at least, yeah, that, you know, a guru gives you a mantra and you, you do it every day. Like you don't, like you do it every day. Right. Yeah. And then here, <laughs> like, this is right. And since Kundalini like, is self-initiated, yeah, you like, choose what you choose yeah. your own. Um, Yogi Bhajan did used to give people like, you know, he would, would direct people do this or do that. And, you know, and sometimes the shit was kind of crazy. What do you, you know, tell people like, you know, I have a good friend who said, you know, do three hours of meditation and yoga every day. And, you know, you're sort of like, whoa, wait a minute, I've got a day job, you know, and, you know, that, that stuff doesn't really go on so much anymore. But, um, you know, we do encourage our students at Lighthouse to do their daily sadhana. And um, I know, mind you, I taught sunrise yoga. I taught 6.30 a.m. yoga for 10 years. And where did you teach that? Both at, at Washington Sports Club. And yeah. then when I opened Lighthouse, I did it there. So, you know, it was um, so two to three days a week. I was, you know, in class by 6.30 a.m. So what that meant was to do my sadhana, I really was up at five in the morning yeah. to do my personal practice. Because I'm somebody who, if I don't do it first thing in the morning, it weighs on me all day. I need to, I just need to get up and do it. And, right. and that's it. So, um, you know, and, and finally, um, at the beginning of this year, um, I had a couple wonderful teachers who took over the sunrise classes at Lighthouse who mm-hmm. are, you know, just holding the space beautifully. So I sort of got relieved of that burden, which has given me a little more opportunity to kind of play with my sadhana, mm-hmm. you know, so I have a little bit more time now um, to, you know, add things or go a little deeper as I want. But on top of that, I try to make sure I get into... Um, you know, I try to get to two classes a week at the studio as well. I don't always make it to two classes, but I, I try. And um, are you taking just Kundalini classes? No, I taking... take I take the Hatha class. You know, I got yeah, to see. I was what... about to ask you when was the last time you've been to a Vinyasa class? Yeah, no, I I actually eight years. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. I actually am. I still really enjoy practicing Hatha yoga. I don't teach it anymore i you know i if i have to in a pinch you know step in and sub at the studio i do but honestly i think we've got teachers at lighthouse who are much better um hatha teachers than i am 
and it's not my passion, but I enjoy it. Um, I, uh, um, so I, you know, I'll sometimes pop into, you know, we have one day where we have a Hatha Sunrise, no Kundalini. I'll sometimes pop into that one or, you know, some of the other classes at Lighthouse. And one of my kind of guilty pleasures, particularly when I'm not in D.C., because, you know, places where I'm like totally anonymous is mm-hmm. I like will go and take like, you know, a power flow class and just sort of go in there and like, you know. That's and, funny because like when uh, when, Pat, when Patty Ivy was on the show, she was like. She was like, yeah, I like to go to their studios and, and practice and like, but I go into, I would go into core power and someone behind the desk would go, you're Patty Ivy, aren't you? You own Down Dog. And she'll go like, no, no, like I'm just here to practice yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I tend to get outed at other studios as well. So I, you know, I have to, I'll go like if it's, sometimes I'll go and take a class that a friend of mine is teaching at a different studio or, you know, or if I'm looking at a teacher to potentially come on board at Lighthouse, I'll go and take their class at a different studio. Mm-hmm. But um, I do it a lot when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time in Lisbon, and I've got there's a I and a younger teacher there whose classes I just adore. And mm-hmm. I go to Lisbon, and you know, it's been you know, I take three or four classes a week, you know, younger classes, and I just sort of rock out on it. I love it. That's so it's good. Like, yeah, it's it's really great. Do you uh, are you still do you still like run and like do I other do. things you do? Yeah, I do. I I run. I bike. I uh, I've gotten really into. Um, you know, uh, total body conditioning boot camp classes. That's, that's what's up. Y- yeah, that's super fun. Um, and yeah, I've, I've always been kind of a movement junkie. I, you know, I'm, I'm happiest when I'm moving. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I have a wonderful dog who likes walks. So I, you know, try to get out and, you yeah. know, get her out and do some hikes and stuff. Um, so tell us, uh, um, how, uh, tell us how Lighthouse like started. Um, well, after, um, the owner of Yoga House shut down the studio, we, DC no longer had a home for Kundalini Yoga. And I, you know, I'm kind of tooling around doing, you know, and I, by that time I was no, I no longer had a day job and I was teaching yoga full time. And I, um, I don't, it was kind of like, I don't always think things through really carefully. I tend to be like, oh, this seems like a good idea. So, um, I, that's what makes life worth living. Yeah, I know. Um, so I, um, had somebody at the time, you know, a friend who like found a place, a vacant place on George Avenue in Petworth and said, you know, Hey, you want to open a yoga studio with me? And this was the precursor to Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Elizabeth had closed yoga house and I was like, yeah, I want a, a Kundalini place. I was already in training to be a teacher trainer. So I was already, I was continuing to move up through the Kundalini ranks here. You know, it's like you just, everything in Kundalini takes much longer than it does in many other forms of yoga. So I, you know, I was all in and, and anyway, so we opened this little place on George Avenue. It's a totally different name, totally different vibe. And, you know, she wasn't into, my business partner wasn't into Kundalini at all. And, uh, you know, and, and it didn't really work out super well. And she finally was just like, she, she was done. She didn't want to do it anymore. And so I kind of inherited it and I rebranded and I created Lighthouse. We've had some, um, we had to then move, we've gotten evicted like three times. We had to move out of that space. And then I found a space on ninth street of a upshur, a very small, intimate space, but you know, Hey, it's Kundalini. We can squeeze in. And I was there for a number of years and that's where we really began to build up the studio. And then, you know, gentrification hit and we got evicted from there. And then I didn't have anywhere to be. And so this was at the end of 2018 mm-hmm. 
And um, I was like, well, I'm in the middle of a teacher training. I need to, I, you know, I, I've got to get these trainees through the program, right? We need to, I need to do something. So this wonderful um, nonprofit down the street, Teatro de la Luna, um, it's a community theater space offered to let us rent. And so we kept running a few classes at, at Luna, you know, just enough to keep the trainees coming. And we kept a few hoppa classes going for the neighbors. And then um, I got contact, and I was I was I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm just not. This is like not you know my thing anymore. I just I want to like leave. I'm you know this country's making me crazy. I just can't deal <laughs> with the politics, and you know as you know. And so then this this landlord on Kennedy Street calls and says. I've got this space I think would be a great yoga studio. And I'm like, no, dude, look, really, I'm about to, I'm leaving for Italy tomorrow. I'm running a retreat. I'm just like, you know, and he's like, no, 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 really, just come look at it. And I was like, oh, fine, okay. So I go up to Kennedy Street and I walk into the space and I'm just like, whoa, this is amazing. And he's like, we can get, you know, we can get a great street grant. We can build it out, you know, and I'm like, no, I was moving to Lisbon for real. That was my goal. Right. And um, anyways, we got the Great Street. So I was like, okay, fine. So we got the Great Street grant and we built out the studio. So basically the studio was paid for by a grant from the District of Columbia. Yep. And um, we relaunched in March. So we have, we've only been reopened about four months at this oh, point. Wow. Yeah, so we're technically in, you know, and we were nowhere for six months. Mm. So we're sort of a a new launch of an old brand um, that was dormant for, you know, from September of 2018 until March of 2019. There was really no lighthouse. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're new and up and coming now. And we're, we've changed our focus a little bit being in a new neighborhood, um, you know, because we're technically not in Petworth anymore. We're in Brightwood Park and Kennedy Street is an, a part of town that is... Um, it's, you know, it's, it's really wonderful. We've got, we get a lot of longtime residents from the area who come in as well as, you know, the newer residents who tend to be younger and whiter. And mm -hmm. so we've got a nice mix. Um, our Kundalini classes do draw from, I mean, our teacher trainings draw all the way to, through Pennsylvania. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, you know, for our regular classes, we get a lot of people from, you know, the suburbs as well as the city. And, um, so it's been it's been really nice to um you know now I'm now I don't regret it. I was sort of like, you know, kicking myself for a while. I was like, do I really want to get back into this? But um I'm yeah. really glad I did because the city needs kundalini yoga. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I think it definitely does, especially um this morning when you talk so much about community. Um and it really resonated with me and it really seemed like, you know, after class people got up, they talked to each other, you know, it was you know, it wasn't like rolling up mats and then running to get somewhere, which is, you know, and it was, that was really, it's a really special place. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 In fact, some days like, you know, I, it's like, it, we, we can't even get them out. You know, in fact, today I, I had to leave and I, I left a couple of the teachers who were yeah. in the class. I was like, I need you guys to lock up. There's a Hatha class running at the same time too. I mean, we still, even though we are identified as a Kundalini studio, we run a full schedule of Hatha classes ranging from brand new beginner classes, Yoga Fundamentals, which is very popular in Kennedy Street area because there's no other place that offers anything like that nearby. Um, and up through, you know, we have all sorts of different levels of Hatha, some flow classes, some alignment-based classes. So 
you know, we also try to really get the neighborhood involved in that mm-hmm. level. We're, we're doing some really interesting um, workshops coming up in fall, both Kundalini and Hatha, um, which in, including a weekend workshop on racism in the yoga community, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be um, an interesting two, it's two separate discussions. We're bringing in a wellness, a, I, she's a, um, well, she does, uh, she works on issues of race and racial identity and and wellness also. She's, she's a yoga teacher from mm-hmm. um, Pennsylvania and she's going to come in and lead two days of discussions on, you know, on racism yeah. and how do we as yogis, you know, we talk about we want to be inclusive. Why is it that you go to a yoga studio and everybody's white? That's a fair question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I think the space is great. Um, I think what you're offering in DC is, is really unique and really awesome. Um, for all the listeners out there, you should definitely go up there and try a class. There's a special, do you have a special like two week intro to your, we have a two week intro special. It's $30 for two weeks. Yeah. And that'll cover, you know, all our drop in classes. Um, yeah, I go experience it. Don't, don't bring your, your preconceived notions, just experience it, love it. And it's amazing. Um, Julie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. Uh, This is really great. We'll have to have you back sometime soon. Um, You've been listening to the DC Yoga Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Parkinson, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later.